to episode number 39 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. I have Georgina back today for our hat trick show and we're talking about getting a grip on your emotional eating. Now, we did a podcast on this episode number 11 and the reason that I've invited Georgina back onto the show for the third time is because episode number 11 is still the most popular. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, or not necessarily the most popular, the most listened to, if you haven't listened to that, go and go back to that one. Uh, that will serve as almost like a prerequisite of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so that'd be super useful. Um, there's another one in there as well. I can't remember what it is it's in the 20s somewhere, but it's, it's all based around, you know, stress eating and emotional eating, that type of stuff. So we got into a little bit more deeper conversations around this topic and obviously tied in the uh, recent pandemic as well. Um, and, you know, perhaps people are eating more because they're stressed, because they're anxious, all of that type of stuff as well. So uh, we'll get into it. So Georgina, getting a grip on emotional eating. Just want to remind you to, uh, if you are listening to these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on one of the platforms that you're using. um, And then wouldn't mind sharing. If you get some value out of this and you think it'd be useful for someone, uh, share it as well. This episode is brought to you by Movement Wins. Um, online fitness community bringing you support, guidance, and accountability for a fraction of the cost. So if you feel like you're lacking some structure in your training, definitely hit us up at Movement Wins and we can uh, see how we can help you. Anyway, enjoy. You are. I am Georgina Lee from the Inside Works and I work predominantly with women who are looking to create a better relationship with food. So this really is my area of expertise. Yeah, and like I said previously, if you haven't listened to episode 11, go back and listen to that one because we touch on a lot of very good points and I guess it's kind of like a, almost a prerequisite to this one. Um, also, there was another episode, I think maybe in the 20s, I can't remember what it was, but again, it was down that route of um, you know stress eating. I think we were talking about like the media portrayal and what people are um, you know, advertising influences that type of stuff. I'm sure we're going to go down that route again. Uh, but Georgie, just give us kind of like a summary to start us off. What is happening right now in the current crisis? What are you finding with your, uh, your own personal home quarantine? What's happening with your clients? What are they telling you their struggles are? Yeah, it's, it's huge at the moment. Um, obviously the situation is, is unprecedented. We weren't expecting it. And it brings with it a huge amount of emotions. And it depends really on how people are being affected by the situation. Regardless, it's an upheaval for absolutely everyone. So there's going to be lots of emotions at play. And for people, even around daily life, going to work pre-COVID, the natural way to deal with life events for many, many people is through food. And suddenly, when we feel very um, weak, let's say, emotionally, we're going to a range of different fears, anxieties, stresses, boredom, loneliness, sadness, every emotion you can probably think of, it's very natural that our response is going to be through food because that's how we're feeling. We're feeling very overwhelmed. And so what I'm seeing at the moment is people who, you know, are obviously turning to more comfort-type foods, um, more calorie-dense foods, more high-palatable foods, they tend to feel a little bit more out of control because their routine's gone out the window, maybe the exercise isn't happening, um, and things just feel totally up in the air. And I think many people are saying it's, it is an emotional roller coaster where one day it's okay and then the next day it's really not okay. So we're riding this wave at the moment, and with that comes our associations with food, which obviously play a huge part of this. If people are 
used to rewarding themselves with food after getting through a difficult day. People are used to eating when they feel a stress response and everything else. It's totally normal right now that people are going to be struggling with the situation. And that's one of the things I've always liked about, you know, following you on social media and knowing what your program is about. Like you're kind of willing to go there and you're not uh, kind of prancing around the outside and promising like, you know, transformations drop 30 pounds in X amount of week. Like you're going for the very nitty gritty of trying to improve, like you said before, improve people's relationships with food, uh, which mm-hmm. doesn't sound as transformational um, kind of on the outset. But once you kind of dig into that and solve those problems, I'd imagine it's the transformations that you see are huge. Maybe not just physically, but in terms of mentally as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting that you say at the moment that for some people, sorry, at the beginning, that for some people it's difficult to um, talk about emotional eating, but actually many people don't know they are an emotional eater. Um, and some women are kind of very aware of the fact that their food is a source of comfort for them. But for many women, it isn't. They don't, they don't have that awareness because we associate emotions with upset or trauma or tragedy or crying or heartbreak, all these things, when the reality is that emotional eating impacts probably every single woman I've ever met, also a lot of men as well. Um, and it can be anything. It can be simply just coping with a little bit of boredom at home and eating. So for most people, they are having to deal with um, emotional eating. And yes, it's about understanding that. It's about awareness of what's going in your eating habits. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit now or later on how that goes together with someone who might be looking for weight loss as well, because often they don't go hand in hand, depending on how much this impacts someone. And this is important to say as well in that you may get someone who's an emotional eater who just... You know, in the times when people used to go to offices, just procrastinated a little bit in the afternoon and had a couple of pieces of chocolate and maybe a bag of crisps. And for them, it's a fairly superficial reason that they can manage quite easily with the strategy. For other people who have got real deep-rooted emotional connection to food, where they are using that to, um, on on a regular basis, to suppress their emotions, that's when it can become problematic for those people. Um, And that's where it takes a little bit more work in terms of, you know, managing that side of their life. Yeah, let's, let's kind of stay there already then. Like we won't digress too much. You can kind of tie everything in there. One of the first questions what I was going to ask you was, um, you know, why or how do we become emotional eaters? Because just from talking to you and what I find working with people as well is that unless someone's um, really got their shit together, you know, someone's in the gym, they're, you know, measuring their macros, they're very you know, fixated on their gym routine and this, that, or the other. Um, I feel like most people have got kind of emotional eating habits, right? I'll admit that I've probably got emotional eating habits here, here or there. Um, you know, especially if I'm in a position where I'm not actively working towards any kind of like health or fitness goal, the amount of times I walk into the kitchen and, you know, that meme that was being posted quite recently, uh, you know, the, the, the sign in the fridge saying you're not hungry, you're bored. Like that's me. I'll, I'll open the fridge at least, 30, 40 times a day. Um, so do you find that a lot of people are emotional eaters and you said you think they are, they don't necessarily know it? Yeah, of course. I mean, it just, if you think about it on a real logical um, basis, it makes total sense that most of us are emotional eaters because that's how we have been brought up with food. And food is not just a source of fuel. It's also a source of celebration if you're from you know, a traditional generation where food has been used as a treat, a reward, 
um, a comfort. You know, you fall over as a kid and it's like, quick, get some chocolate buttons. You go into the dentist, come on, you can have this afterwards. And that's how we have developed our relationship with food. So we have an association with that food that isn't suddenly going to stop when we grow up to be, you know, into adulthood. We carry that through our lives. Um, to the extent, obviously, depends on many different factors. But yeah, everyone I've ever met is going to find comfort in food. It's also a celebration. Um, and we have used it as such throughout our lives. So those, um, that relationship is very, very deep-rooted. And like you said, you know, you reaching for the fridge when you're bored is exactly what my husband will also do. So in that respect, yeah, it's also a response to your boredom, which is an emotion. So has, has uh, you know, like... Time is normally the factor, right? In both our, you know, lines of work, you know, time to prepare food or time to make choices. Or for me, it's more time to exercise, that type of stuff. We've kind of gone full shift into the other direction now. Uh, you know, what, what position is better? Is it better to have not as much time or is it better to have more time? I know this isn't out of choice, uh, but do you think people are finding having more time actually more uh, of a disadvantage for trying to maintain healthy habits with their food, with their exercise? Two things I'm seeing in relation to emotional eating is that there's, and, and, and I, I have to say that there's no right or wrong way here because we're all very different. And this, again, is impacting everyone differently. Don't feel that you need to be in a situation now where this has to be fixed, where you're coming down yourself like a ton of bricks because you're overeating and you're not feeling good. That's probably the last thing that you need to be doing right now. Um, but really two camps of people that I'm finding at the moment and those that um, taking this opportunity, let's say, to, to take a good look at their eating habits, who are um, ready to kind of create awareness about what's going on. They're recognizing that this is actually a really good time to um, give themselves in terms of finding out, you know, a real um, strategy and working through their food habits. On the other side of things, there's people who are, have got this more difficult relationship with food where they're almost forced to live in this present. And I'm finding this with so many people where because life is slowed down, we're forced to face lots of things because we can't be busy, we can't be distracted, we're not whizzing around all over the place and you know, managing to brush off all these things. We are literally here being forced to challenge our emotions. And for many people, that is causing the discomfort that is then going into overeating. Um, because if I'm going to, are we going to talk strategies in a minute? So I'll go into that, but, um, yeah, it's very uncomfortable for people to face what is going on in their life. This takes me down a path of going very, um, you know, into a deep conversation. So I will, I will brush over. To be honest, I'm, I'm happy for you to go down there. So don't feel like you have to stop. I'll always pull you back. Um, like I said, we, we, because we've touched on this before, uh, I feel like we're in a position where we can get a little bit deeper. But uh, just on kind of like emotional eating then, you touched on a little bit about history of uh, mm -hmm. where that emotional eating might have come from. Have you got any like examples of that or, or things that you've seen? In terms of previous? Yeah, yeah. Where do they come from? Where does the emotional eating habits come from? From that, from basically being, well, the major part has been raised in a way where you are, um, have used foods to cover your emotions and that's upset. So therefore have something to eat. It's um, boredom, go and eat something. And we've yeah. been trained in that way. For many people, um, it is their um, response to stress. 
and it, it just makes total sense when you look at children's eating habits how that is carried through for many people and this is going to lead me down the path of you know the deeper rooted um, things is that we use it as a form of boredom so I see this with many women who have um, and I speak about women because that's who I work with but women who have got to a certain age in their life and they are eating through boredom. And when I say boredom, I don't mean I'm just a little bit bored, there's nothing on TV. I mean a real sense of um, boredom, dissatisfaction, emptiness in their lives, which often happens to many, many women as they go through life. And we are virtually kind of eating our way through life to cover these emotions up because to confront those emotions feels incredibly challenging um, and very difficult for many, many people. And this is what I'm kind of tying into now in terms of the situation that many people find themselves in, is that if you are sitting around and, you know, not necessarily being lazy, but you've got nowhere to go, and you are having to work through these emotions day in, day out, yeah, it's really, really challenging for lots of people. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's, because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this um, want to get some strategies to help them. So uh, I guess looking at the bigger picture, what kind of strategies have you got? Is it in terms of like mindset, breaking habit loops, and then we can kind of go into more strategic ones that people can do, uh, you know, take away today. Yeah. So firstly, I would, it sounds bizarre, but I would consider whether it's a problem or not. People are always going to emotionally eat. So there's different levels of this. I will still emotionally eat, but there will be no repercussions from that. So I might think, do you know what? I'm a little bit stressed. I'm a little bit tired. I'm going to have some, something to eat, and that's going to make me feel better. But I'm not going to follow that with a path of, oh, my goodness, what have you done? And the negative consequences of that. So firstly, ask yourself, is it a problem? If you're having a bit of chocolate every single day because you're tired and that's your wind down, that's not really a big issue. Again, it becomes problematic when it's a constant um, thing to cover up emotions. So things that I would do first is get off autopilot. We live on this um, very detached from our eating habits. So we go through the motions of life, literally go through the motions without knowing what we're doing. And you'll see this often with mindless eating. You'll see this when you're going to the fridge back and forth. You don't even know why we're doing it, but it's just on autopilot. We need to slow down that um, chain of events and actually look at your life and go, what is going on? Am I eating, um, you know, overeating at 5 p.m. every single night? Are my kids driving me mad that suddenly I feel like, you know, I can't stop eating at 6 p.m. when it's close to their bedtime? What's going on? So you're looking at your life and evaluate it and really start to think about um, your situation without coming at yourself with judgment because... Emotional eating is one of those things where women and food, uh, it becomes such a, a negative thing. Like, why have you done it? Why can't you not eat? And we rely on our willpower and eating less and all those things that don't really get long-term results. Um, so firstly, come at it from a, a, an awareness perspective. Oh, God, I know it's really hard for me to say, don't judge yourself. I know what happens in that situation. But be good to yourself when looking at this and just seeing what's going on in your life would be a really important um, first step. I'll go into the deeper one first and then we can look at more um, practical stuff. So obvious things that don't deny yourself food. Often when you tie things in with emotional eating and you have someone who naturally restricts food, wants to lose weight, is trying to eat less, 
but they are an emotional eater. So they're trying to not eat any of these foods that will backfire very heavily on someone because this moment you feel stress or whatever else you're going to binge on all those foods because they're the off limits food. So try and incorporate some foods into your day that actually you enjoy eating. That's a really basic thing and change your patterns of behavior. So again, if you are, I'm going to have dinner, I'm going to go straight to the fridge, I'll get my chocolate, I'm going to sit down and watch Netflix with a glass of wine. You need to either break that pattern of behavior and think about that from a mental or a physical perspective. So it could be that you move to a different room. It could be that you, um, I always use exercise, but no one can go out the house anymore. But for those that can, you know, go sit outside, go walk around the garden, um, but remove, you try to slow down this pattern of events that happen and try to understand it. For the people that suffer on a bigger level, as an ex-emotional eater myself, um, I know the pull for food, how huge that is, that it's really hard, even when you're trying to break it, you will still be drawn to eat food. I totally understand that. So what we need to do is understand, ask yourself, what is going on? And this is where, because we live this life with a phone attached to our hands, we're always distracted, we're always busy, to actually sit with your emotions for even 10 seconds, I would challenge anyone to do this, will make them cringe. They will physically be very, very uncomfortable because no one, well, very rarely people throughout their life are, are challenging their emotions or understanding those emotions. So if you think about that last time where you thought, I'm bored or I'm this, and you've gone directly to the fridge, sit there with it, and feel what is coming and be prepared that it's going to be quite a challenging moment for many people. But what are you fixing? So with emotions, you know, if you're feeling whatever heavy emotion and you cover it up with food, you're just suppressing it, just going down. You still have that emotion, but now you have an added extra guilt on top of having eaten food. So we're just constantly going over it and pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. At some point, you know, that erupts in some form. So asking yourself and accepting those feelings are really, really important. And this is why when weight loss comes into play, unless you have found a way to manage feelings and emotions, which are part of life, that isn't resorting to eating in a certain way, then it's almost impossible to get results because you've never, ever learned to manage your emotions. They will always pop up somewhere on the line. So that's the one that is the, the most useful, but the hardest for people because it takes work, it takes perseverance, it takes patience and a lot of kindness. But that is the one where you will start developing um, a real uh, a tool that will take you through, you know, all your emotional eating. And I just want to add to that as well. And like, I don't want to say this as someone who's like, um, you know, perfect and does all of this themselves. Like I'm obviously like everyone else constantly battle against these things as well. But one of the things that, um, has really helped me and I guess it comes down to just taking that time to be mindful. Um, it's just living with purpose and doing things with purpose. Like when you, uh, when you sit down to, um, you know, watch TV, like why are you sitting down to watch TV? Are you watching it because it's, uh, you know, your 30 minutes or your one hour of the day to, uh, you know, relax and wind a little bit when you're, uh, going on to Instagram or scrolling through your phone, why are you doing that? I have a reason. Now, if you, if you get to a point where you can't find a reason to do something, so, you know, you, you go and you find that you're on your phone scrolling for Instagram for 10 minutes and you're like, 
why am I doing this? I should be doing work. Then you know that you need to take that kind of back step before to being mindful about it. And I guess that's what you kind of side up then. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, if you look at this from the outside in, not just on a, a, an eating level, but we are, we are programmed to behave in a certain way. We have created these patterns of um, behaviors that don't necessarily do anything for us. And the real thing of this is, how do you start giving yourself what you truly need? And I think this situation highlights that because you can't go for a massage, you can't go to get your nails done, you can't do any of these things that people think are self-care. But the reality is, is what can I give myself to function better on a daily basis, to feel good in my skin, to make better choices? Um, and that is by getting to the root of that problem rather than just papering over the cracks constantly. I love that you said self-care then, because this is something that we touched on in the last episode. We talked about um, self-care and self-love and how everybody's got it wrong. Like everybody thinks self-love is uh, finishing work on a Thursday afternoon when you, you've had a long week and you know, the kids have been driving you mad, that type of stuff. You pour yourself a glass of wine, you, know, you get a takeaway, uh, you do all these things that aren't actually self self love. They're actually self sabotaging because they're not doing great things for you. Uh, so it's kind of like spinning it around on its head and saying, "Well, self love actually means you know cooking a nice nutritious dinner, um, you know yeah. getting your vitamins and minerals, that type of stuff, going for a walk to clear your headspace, being mindful, that type of stuff as well." So let's dial this in a little bit then. Georgie, in terms of what, what can people do now, like in their environment, they're just in their house, right? So what, what things can we do to limit overeating, to uh, be more mindful about different things? So from a real practical level, <laughs> this is my advice that I love it. no one wants. <laughs> my number one is, like, for goodness sake, create a supportive environment because if you are trapped in four walls and you are someone, a normal person that responds with food to emotions and that food is 10 meters away from you, if that's, you're going to eat the food. So this relates to absolutely everything. You'll, you know, you'll probably tell your own clients this, that you've got to have an environment that supports you. That doesn't mean just living off salads. It means having something, um, but not, you know, having it in your face 24 seven. And on that note, it's how it's, it's something that I use with my clients a lot. It's, it's bringing something into your day that you truly enjoy. Emotional eating tends to be something that's it's hidden, it's guilty, it, um, it fills us with shame. We don't taste that food. Um, it's just done in a real negative manner. It's to actually plan something into your day that you enjoy. And this is the kind of pockets of things that I'm celebrating at the moment, trying to find really tiny things in life that I'm clinging onto and making me feel good. And one of those is sitting down with a coffee, maybe, you know, having a bar of chocolate that you really enjoy, but you're going to enjoy it, you're going to taste it, you're going to have it in the right surroundings, it's going to help with those cravings, and it's going to take the edge off. So we want to remove the guilt um, that's going on that's attached to emotional eating. Um, and that's just more conscious, more mindful eating, which is easy to do. It's actually a real nice thing to do um, in the right setting. And basic things that are, will always impact emotional eating are things like sleep, trying to create a better sleep routine if you're tired, if, you know, your chances of being emotional are going to, you know, grow and you're going to eat more food. Totally normal. Uh, managing your stress in some way, and that's probably another podcast, and trying to maintain some good nutrition and some movement as well. Um, and those are the basic things that are going to impact your emotional eating that you probably feel more able to control because 
rather than thinking typically with um, you know someone suffering from emotional eaters that I need to fix this, I need to stop this, why am I doing this? That strategy is not going to work. So if you try and manage a few things around your life, maybe having a good breakfast, sitting down or planning something into your day, you know, try to work, do some kind of movement. It doesn't necessarily need to be a you know, big workout, but walking around, getting these steps up. Um, and that's is what we're talking about in terms of self-care. So focusing on that and just trying to give yourself, particularly if you've got kids, a lot of my clients are struggling at the moment, but finding 50 minutes, as you saw on my Instagram, sitting on bathroom floors, yeah, it sounds ludicrous, <laughs> but that is what I'm doing at the moment to get some, you know, 15 minutes peace. Um, and I know all the mums out there are just craving it right now. It's just some silence and some peace and just to sit. And that's really also a good opportunity to sit with your emotions and find out what's going on. What do I need right now? Now, I think uh, you mentioned the first point you mentioned was kind of like, um, setting up your surroundings and one of the books I'm reading at the minute is Atomic Habits by James Clear, I think it is. And it, uh, he talks a lot about, uh, how we're like visual cues are the things that, uh, you know, are the things that affect us when it comes to habits. So seeing things. And I just don't think people should underestimate the power of setting up your kitchen, having the things that you know, you want to snack on because at the end of the day, especially if you've got kids, like the best, the best bet would be to buy it. But then if you've got kids, you've got the surroundings there because you need those treats, those quick snacks and stuff in the kitchen. Just set your surroundings up so they're not in your visual line. You know, they're not in the fridge. They're in cupboards up high, that type of stuff. And just very simple. He said, out of sight, out of mind. And like, it just yeah. reads so true. And it doesn't mean that you can't go up and reach up and still grab it. But if you're limited or if you're making those just small barriers in between you. slowing down that point. Yeah. And having a handful of, you know, something or this, that, or the other, that will make a huge difference. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I always say to my clients, if you're not happy to get it out of the house, then put it in a different container because, you know, the packaging will also be calling you. We've got such strong associations with these foods. So imagine the amount of times you've gone into the cupboard, maybe getting something for dinner, and you clock, um, you know, the thing at the moment has been little Easter eggs and leftovers from Easter, and you clock something, you're going to put it in your mouth. You, know, you didn't go for it. You didn't want it. All of a sudden, you're consuming it because you have opened it in your eye line. So yeah, it really is a huge environment, and it's honestly the one where people roll their eyes at me and, oh, God. And it's like, it's like you said, though, it's, it's not just the fact that maybe it's got more calories than you should consume in it. It's, it's the guilt that you, uh, you attach to that. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the heavy emotional um, consequences of that where then we get sucked into that, you know, I need to restrict. And then by, you know, two hours later, you're falling back into that, trip, that um, cycle. And it's such a, such a heavy emotional burden to carry when you're constantly thinking about this stuff all the time on top of your emotion. Yeah. So I just want to bring that book up again, because like, as expected, like you said, pretty general things then, but it's great to hear you kind of like reemphasize those points. And they're all things that we can do, you know, sleep, you know, setting up your surroundings, that type of stuff. Um, the other one was just about, um, sitting down. And if you are going to sit down and have a coffee, you know, by yourself, you know, in peace and quiet, whatever it is, like use that time to be doing just one thing rather than trying to multitask. And you kind of highlighted it, you know, um, doing something and eating at the same time and not even realize that you've eaten it. Like if there's something that you really want to enjoy, you know, make time, 
And again, in that book, Atomic Habits, they talk about doing one thing at a time, um, you know, multitasking, you're always thinking of other stuff. So if you can just sit down, you know, dinner is a good example of that rather than having dinner in front of the TV and just wolfing it down, like sit down at the table with your partner, with your kids, whatever it is, and, and enjoy that and savor the food. And Ross Gilmore in the episode, episode 35, who's big into his kind of like, um, you know, fat loss, that type of stuff. He, he mentioned just simply chewing your food more. He said the amount of people that don't chew their food enough um, to get it into like a pace, like consistency for your digestion. Oh, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> so he was saying like, just like people are always trying to like, they want to measure their macros and it's like, well, let's just start with chewing your food. Well, I know that sounds a little bit kind of ludicrous, but it all adds up, right? It all adds up. It is, and it's, it's like people often look, look for strategies and it's like, we're always looking for what is it, what can I do? But it, it, these answers are fairly simple, basic practices that you can bring into your life. Um, so you don't have to do all of those. You will benefit from picking one of those things and really trying to you know, build that habit into your life and you will see results. But you, like you've just said, in terms of trying to do more than one thing, if you're sat there and you've got the kids' dinners and you've got on your phone and you're just reaching for some biscuits, it's very different to sitting there with a biscuit on a plate with your own company and a nice cup of coffee and really enjoying those things. The consequences are likely that you will be, um, you, you know, you'll have enjoyed them, you'll have had enough. The difference on the other side is that you won't remember eating them, but suddenly you've gone through a packet of biscuits and feeling like horrible. But, yeah. you know, it's all in the setting. I think you've brought up some really good points there. And I think rather than kind of going down a rabbit hole and coming up with all these different things, I think that people can take the, the idea and the basis of what we've just said and start applying them into different areas of their life. Um, and obviously they can follow you on social because every day you're always posting good content up in terms of, um, you know, little tips and tricks. But before we leave it, we'll just a couple more minutes. How is, uh, I always like asking you about the, the social media life at the moment. Is there any crazy diets happening or have you seen you've had to bash or I think well, I'm going to go on risky ground here and I hope this is a good thing that comes out of this situation is that people seem to be by less by or there just seems to be less um, dieting you know supplements and all these things around that could just be one of those things but i think people seem to be in a different frame of mind and i really do hope that it's an opportunity for people to start um you know thinking about their food habits and how they can develop a really good relationship with food as opposed to what can i take to you know lose it yeah, i think you're right i think on the on the grand scheme of things i think with it being like a worldwide pandemic as well i think the, the industry has reacted fairly well. I think people are, aren't necessarily like scaremongering people, people, trainers and fitness influencers and stuff are in that position themselves. So I think it's generally, like you said, if it doesn't kind of transpire into um, more confusion because we don't need any more of that. No, but can you imagine the after effect, the, the aftermath of this? It's, I imagine it will be, a lot of products coming onto the market. I can imagine a lot yeah. of marketed yeah. products. Yeah. We'll do another podcast on that anyway. Yeah. I think for me right now, the, <laughs> the only thing that I see is just more and more exercises, which is great. Like I'm the last person to slam home workouts and stuff, but 
how many more exercises is there going to be that you can do at home? And I, I get constantly varied and keeping things exciting, but a squat's a squat, you know, a push-up is a push-up. There's only so many variations that we can do, uh, but I'll leave that for another episode. Georgie, where can everybody find you? I am on Instagram at The Inside Works and Facebook at The Inside Works. Yeah, you have your private group on Facebook, right on uh, Facebook, right? I do, The Inside Works Ladies Club. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Georgie, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on. See you later, Joe.